from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome, friends. Good to have you aboard. Hope you'll stay with us for the hour. It's a happy day. It's a sad day. My uh, technical producer, David Gaskin, who I've mentioned to uh, to you, is uh, leaving the program. Tonight marks his, uh, his final night. He's heading off to uh, find himself in Kathmandu. Uh, and then on uh, from there, David, I think you said you're going to Thailand and, and uh, you bought your backpack today. And uh, you're going to get your passport and your visas and your plane tickets. And what's around, uh, what's, I mean, what are we talk, talking about, a, a, a trip to, to Kathmandu? What, what's that going to set you back? A thousand dollars? A thousand bucks. And then from there, what, what are you going to do in Kathmandu? What does one do in Kathmandu? Are you going to seek out a, you're going to climb a mountain? You're going to seek out a guru? You're gonna ask. You're gonna ask for some sagely advice. You're gonna. You're gonna crawl up there and you're gonna say, "What's life all about?" What's and maybe he'll share some veal recipes. Who knows? Well, I hope. I sincerely wish you the best, and I hope you find yourself or whatever it is you're looking for. You're in for a wonderful adventure, I know, and I hope you'll uh, stay in touch. Um, so thank you for the last. What has it been? About a year. You're my third technical producer, and um, and, da- and Tim Spreen sitting behind the uh, the audio board tonight. You've got big shoes to fill, but I know you're going to make a wonderful technical producer. Welcome. Welcome to the show. So if you call in tonight, and I'm going to ask you to call in, actually, in the first half hour, uh, we're going to do something. Uh, it's been a while since I've opened the phone lines, just you, me, and the telephones. And, you know, I um, I talk a lot about political subterfuge on the show and cover-ups and assassinations and... and uh, of the world of, you know, black ops and spies and, 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 uh, quite frankly, it can be a little depressing at times. A little doom and gloom. So what I thought we would do for the first half hour, something I did years ago on another radio station, it was very popular and, and, um, I'd like to do more of it here and, and so maybe we'll institute that starting tonight. I call it spine tingling tales. And what I'm hoping that you'll do over the next half hour uh, before we discuss uh, one of those doom and gloom topics, uh, war with Iran. Of course, the, uh, the, uh, the saber rattling has begun in earnest. Uh, Israeli ben- uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warning that uh, Iran is a mere six or seven months away from developing nuclear weapons, despite the fact that the IAEA says they have no such program and, uh, U.S. intelligence, uh, seems to echo that. Uh, so what's up with that? Well, you know, this, the, uh, the uh, the same lie that got us into Iraq is it going to work this time? I don't know. We'll discuss that though with the Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review in a little bit. But from from now until then, indulge me if you will. Uh, besides indulging me, if you've had an encounter with the paranormal, whether it's a UFO sighting or uh, maybe you've experienced some poltergeist activity, um, maybe you've experienced the old hag syndrome. If you don't know about that. Uh, we can discuss that a little bit. Uh, um, if you've ever had that feeling you're, you're lying in bed and all of a sudden you're filled with dread and then you're, you feel like you're paralyzed and you feel some evil presence in the room and then you feel this great weight on your chest. Uh, mainstream science calls it sleep paralysis. Uh, but others for centuries call it something else. It's called the old hag syndrome. And people have reported waking up and seeing this demonic looking creature sitting on their chest. Um, so if you've, you've, if you've had an encounter with the old hag, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, perhaps you've had a prescient dream, a recurring dream. You've dreamt something over and over and over, and then it comes true. would love to hear about that. 
uh, or some bizarre coincidence. Ever happened? Ever had this happen? You're, 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 uh, you're some, you're someplace, and all of a sudden somebody's name pops into your head. Somebody you haven't thought about in years. Maybe it was someone from high school, and you have no idea why did I think of that person. You weren't even particularly close with them. You haven't thought about them for years. All of a sudden the name is in your head. You turn the corner, and there they are. As that, that happened to me about five years ago. And um, uh, I was just, what do the British say? Gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. Or you're thinking of somebody and the phone rings and, of course, it's them on the other line. That's, what is that? Is that a coincidence? I think not. Uh, or we can talk about reappearing and disappearing objects. Years ago, I talked about this on the air. I was at my mother's helping helping her with some gardening. And I took out a, uh, I was staking some, some young trees or something, so I took out a sledgehammer from the shed, and I leaned it up against the shed. And uh, then I went on to do something, I went back f- to get the sledge, and it was gone. And my mother uh, was not in the house, I think she went out grocery shopping, I looked, I, I looked everywhere. The, the sledgehammer was not where I had I'd leaned it up against the shed. And then, about five hours later, there it is again. Now, it was either someone playing a trick on me, or... That I don't know. There was some sort of a time portal, or I ripped the space-time continuum, or I don't know what happened. But anyway, what, let's let's uh, let's let's do this. Let, if you've had one of these experiences, unburden yourself because you need to share that with somebody. It's not healthy to keep that inside. You don't want to share it with your boss uh, because he'll just back out of the room slowly. And um, believe me, you know, I um, I've not had a lot of paranormal experiences. Um, I saw my doppelganger once. I've shared this on the air. I won't bore you with it again. Shortly after my father passed away, I saw myself hovering above my body, but that's enough. I won't say any more. Um, I've not seen a UFO. Would like to. Uh, I've not seen Bigfoot, although there was a woman in Kentucky, and maybe I'll, I'll get to the story a little bit later, who uh, claims that she saw a Bigfoot. She surprised the creature as it was uh, actually killing a deer. Uh, she shone her, her flashlight on it and caught it totally by surprise, and then it turned and, of course, ran off. Uh, so if you've had a, um, an encounter with a strange creature, not necessarily a Bigfoot, uh, would love to hear from you as well. So we're going to open up the lines, and as I say, until uh, 12.30, or, um, or for some of our affiliates, it won't be 12.30, uh, to the bottom of the hour, as we say in the radio business. Let's do some spine-tingling uh, tales. And then, as I say, at the bottom of the hour, we'll welcome uh, Jeffrey Steinberg, who is the executive or the uh, the counterintelligence director at Executive Intelligence Review, which is a, uh, a weekly publication. And um, how will I describe EIR? Well, it's it's going to give you the uh, analysis of the news that you're not getting from the mainstream media, that's for sure. So Jeffrey will come uh, prepared with some very interesting insights about uh, what's coming down the pipe in terms of um, a possible war with Iran. And I gotta say, I, I don't think the, the, the news is good. Um, I think it's pending. And I, this is gonna be a colossal tragedy. We're talking about a hundred million souls in that great country. Wonderful culture. Wonderful people. The government, eh! <laughs> I think we all know, uh, the government is, um, is not, uh, not, not so nice. However, I am not convinced by any stretch that they have nuclear weapons capabilities, either is the IAEA, but as I say, we'll discuss that with uh, Jeffrey Steinberg from uh, EIR in just a few moments. 
Uh, scientists have uh, discovered well-preserved frozen woolly mammoth fragments deep in Siberia. So uh, they're talking now about you know the possibility of a real-life Jurassic Park because this woolly mammoth may contain living cells, ladies and gentlemen. So you know where this is going. Living cells, which again would uh, edge us a tad closer to a, ju- ja- a Jurassic Park scenario. We could clone a prehistoric animal. And um, this is what this uh, scientific missions organizer said earlier this week. This is Russia's Northeastern Federal University. And they said, and they sent an international team of researchers up there and they discovered this mammoth hair, soft tissues and bone marrow, some 328 feet or 100 meters underground during a summer expedition in the northeastern province of Yakutia. And the expedition, expedition chief, Simon Grigoriev, said Korean scientists with the team had set a goal of finding living cells in the hope of cloning a mammoth. Scientists have previously found bones and fragments, but not living cells. So, I guess what would they do? They would take the, the living cells from a mammoth, uh, a clone it, take the genetic material, then take, a, I guess, like a cell from an elephant, blast out the nucleus, put in this genetic material, and then impregnate an elephant, because that would be the closest mammal, right, to a woolly mammoth. And then you would have a situation where a female elephant would give birth to a woolly mammoth. And bingo, bango, Bob's your uncle, we've got Jurassic Park. And then what happens? Somebody finds, well, what was the scenario in Jurassic Park, right? You had a mosquito that had fed... Uh, on the blood of a, like a T-Rex, right? Then that mosquito was encased in amber, like pine tar or something, and so totally preserved. And so the, 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 uh, the, the genetic material in the blood from the T-Rex was preserved. Is that possible? I don't know. But if it is, and one day we find a mosquito trapped in amber, and we can extract that material, we could clone a T-Rex. And couldn't we all use that at the, you know, our next visit at the Toronto Zoo? Because, I mean, how many times can you go there and look at the polar bears and the penguins? You know, you go to the North American exhibit, yet there's a moose, there's a red fox. We need a T-Rex at the zoo. You imagine the boost for tourism? All right. I mentioned the, um, the Bigfoot sighting. Uh, the Bluefield Daily Telegraph. This is in West Virginia, Bluefield, West Virginia. We don't have an affiliate yes in, yet in West Virginia. So let's, uh, let's work on that. But this woman in Moorhead, Kentucky paid $75 to join other paranormal researchers on a late night hike through the Daniel Boone National Forest where she says she got a glimpse of Bigfoot, a supposed larger than life uh, creature whose existence has been long debated. And a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? Or the week before, we had two Bigfoot trackers, uh, Pete, uh, Peter Gatilla and Tom Muzilla, uh, were on. And, uh, they've had some pretty close encounters with, uh, with Bigfoot. Uh, anyway, Teresa, she only uses her first name, and I understand why, as do many Bigfoot believers, for fear of ridicule, uh, said her group had been walking along trails late Saturday night near Cave Run Lake when she heard grunting and growling. The group stumbled upon the creature, she said, as he was trying to kill a deer. He was interpreted, or he was interrupted by bright lights shining in his face. The rugged, hilly forest is located in eastern Kentucky. 
When the flashlight hit his eyes, he immediately turned his head and moved his body and turned the opposite direction we were in, Teresa said. The eight-foot-tall creature quickly ran away deep into the forest. She said she chased him. She wanted to talk to him. She's an established spiritual medium and animal communicator from New Jersey, she said. A little uh, word of advice to Teresa. If you interrupt a Bigfoot while he's in the process of killing and perhaps devouring a deer, I'm guessing he's not interested in having some sort of a spiritual conversation with you. So probably the best plan of action would be to run in the opposite direction, not chase the eight-foot bipedal carnivore into the uh, into the forest. All right, having said that, your spine-tingling tales when we come back on The Conspiracy Show. From Yeti to Nessie, pyramids to pandemics, all is revealed on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, let's get it going. Uh, spine-tingling tales now until the bottom of the hour, your encounters with the paranormal. Like I said, you know, it's not healthy to keep it inside. And uh, when you call into this program, you get a sympathetic ear. Uh, because I'm not going to uh, roll my eyes uh, or back out of the room slowly or uh, call you a kook uh, the way maybe your friends and family will. Uh, because the reason I do this program is I believe that there is more to this world than we can, as I've said many times, see, feel, hear, touch, smell. There simply is. And uh, today what we call paranormal, one day we may be able to explain. But until we do... It is the paranormal. And let's begin uh, with David, who's calling from Cincinnati, Ohio. David, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good to have you aboard. David, are you there? David? David's having some phone issues. Well, David said he was having some, uh, hearing some scratching under the bed. He was hearing some scratching under the bed. I don't know. David, are you still there? No. All right. We've lost David. I wanted to tell you about this 23-year-old woman uh, from Georgia. Have you seen this program, uh, My Strange Addiction? There's people that come on and they, uh, they're addicted to eating cat food or talcum powder or some... Uh, well, these things just seem to get, be getting stranger and stranger. Now there's this woman in Marietta, Georgia, and she's, uh, she's addicted to eating something called cellotape. I don't know what cellotape is. I know it doesn't belong inside your body. Anyway, she says she nibbles her way through about 6,000 feet of tape every month. Uh, let's say hello to Paul. Paul had a bed scare. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Paul. Can you hear me? I can. There we go. Good. No, I was. This happened a wee while back, though. I was in bed. We lost Paul. I'm not sure what's going on over there. Uh, can we get Paul back? No. All right. Who's this on uh, this line? Let's say hello to... Who do we have? Hello. Hello there. Who is it? Hi, my name's Dave. Hello, Dave. Is this Dave from Cincinnati, Ohio? We lost earlier. Yeah, I have to... I have a little scare under the bed there. Um, You're the one with the bed scare. You're hearing... Okay, so what's going on? Well, basically, I'm lying in bed at night and... I hear like a scratching, and every time I go under and check, I look and I kind of see, and 
I don't see anything there. So you're definitely hearing scratching, and it's definitely coming from under your bed. It's not in the walls, for example. It couldn't, or under the floorboards. It couldn't be mice, or God forfend, rats, or. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I guess anything's possible, though. And when does it happen? Generally, it's always at night, right? Well, I have a hard time sleeping, so I'm usually lying in bed and I'm trying to get to sleep. And yeah, it's usually pretty late. Everything's pretty quiet, and I just. Spooks me out. I just don't know what it is. And when you look under the bed, does the scratching stop or does it persist? Or yeah, it tends to go away. Like it tends not to be there when I'm looking. But then once it kind of quiets down again, I kind of get my my bearings. I hear it again. Well, uh, obviously, you know the um, uh, o- Occam's razor says the simplest explanation is the most likely. You could have, unfortunately, hate to be the bearinger of bad news. You may have some mice. You know when mice get underneath floorboards or um i remember we had squirrels in the attic once and they make such a noise i mean they're not huge creatures they're, yeah. but they're little feet they get you know clawing at the the wood or the whatever you know the 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 um the insulation and i told it's i swear it sounded like there was a herd of elephants and i thought the, the ceiling was going to cave in and it, lo and behold it was just a, a, a squirrel so you might want to you know uh Call an exterminator and see if you have a, a mice or uh, or a rat problem. Probably a mice a mice problem. I wouldn't wish rats on anyone. But well, if it's, I really I really hope that is it. I hope it's not something you know sinister. Or, I don't know. Well, I mean, have you had any other experiences uh, paranormal, or is it just the scratching well, under the bed? The only thing I can really comes to mind is uh, I used a Ouija board once, and I it literally moved under my fingers. I didn't push it; it was moving. So I believe there's something going on there, and that was in the same house. Well, um, we had uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley on the program uh, talking about uh, Ouija boards and how uh, she believes, and I tend to agree that you can open up sort of a portal, uh, you know, to some other dimension, perhaps, and who knows what you could have welcomed into your house. So first try the mice, and if that doesn't work, then the Catholic priest. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well- Appreciate it, and I love your show. All right, David in uh, Cincinnati, thank you. So first the mice, the, first the exterminator, then the priest. And, and maybe if you can find a, an exterminator who's a priest, uh, then, you know. I like the sounds of that. All right. Good luck with your uh, the scratching under the bed, Dave. Thank you. All right. Let's say hello next, if we can uh, work the the, uh, the phones here. We're having some phone trouble tonight. Uh, Helena. Helena had an out-of-body experience. Out-of-body when I was 12 years old. When you were 12, and how did that happen? Well, I'll, I'll explain it to you. I was lying in bed. I was crying. I had a very bad day. I had fought with my friends. And suddenly, I felt hands underneath me, lifting me up. Then I was floating in the air. I was floating up right to the ceiling, and it was just euphoric. It was wonderful. It was like being in heaven. And then I heard a voice say, no more tears, Helena. Everything will be all right. I don't know how long it lasted for, but I'll always remember that experience. It was wonderful. Now, people have said to me, you've never been in your body. You've always been out of your body, you know, because I've always been um, on the edge. I've always been on the edge of... Uh, of um, normality. Yes, I... And also, I, I've seen my soul in the mirror. My soul is the soul of a devil. My soul is the soul of a devil. And it horrified me. What I saw in the mirror horrified me. Oh, my. My husband said, 
I told my husband, cover all the mirrors in the, in the house. I don't want to look at myself anymore. Cover all the mirrors. I'm frightened. I'm terrified of the face that I see in the mirror. I'm terrified. Helen, if I could go my back to your, said, when no, you were, tw- when I could take you back. Don't cover all the mirrors. Don't cover all the mirrors. Okay. If I could take you back to when you were 12, uh, when you had this out of body experience. Yes. W- were you able to sort of look back and see your, your own body from above? No, no, I felt that I was flying, I was floating in the air, I was floating in the air up to the ceiling. I didn't look down at my body. No, I, I haven't looked down at my body. And it never uh, happened again? No, it never mm. happened again, just and what, one time. What it brought, on, brought, brought it on, were you ill as a child, or what happened there? Well, as a child, um, I hallucinated, and... Um, I had terrifying nightmares, terrifying visions. Um, I was considered schizophrenic. But um, now, a cleric has said that the voice that you heard was the voice of God. Now, mm-hmm. I don't believe that. It was an hallucination. It, it was an hallucination. It was, okay. And um, I don't know how I, I, I floated in the air. I don't know how I got up there to the ceiling. I don't know how my body got up there. But you, I don't know. I don't. I can't explain it. But you felt your body rising, and your 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 body felt like you were up against the ceiling. Yes, it was like like a feather, like it rose. Mm. It rose up, like I ascended to heaven. Remarkable, you know, remarkable to the ceiling. That's but a it was remarkable. Wonderful, euphoric. It's the only time that I felt peaceful. The only time in my life. But I felt at peace. I've never felt at peace ever since then. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Helena. And, no, uh, no. Listen, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story with me. And uh, uh, short of a, an out-of-body experience, I hope you have more peaceful uh, feelings and events uh, like that. All right. Uh, we can uh, continue on with uh, some spine-tingling tales. Or if there's anything else you, you, uh, you want to uh, uh, toss around, Keeping in mind that on the program we discuss conspiracies, hence the name of the program, and uh, we also talk about cover-ups, and we talk about alternative energy, we talk about alternative health. So, in addition to spine-tingling tales, we can open up uh, the, uh, the, the the discussion as well. And keeping in mind, in just a few moments, Jeffrey Steinberg will be here from Executive Intelligence Review, the counterintelligence, uh, yeah, counterintelligence director, I have that right. I'm not even sure what that means a director of counterintelligence. Uh, Jeffrey's a very intelligent guy, so it's not counterintelligence as far as that goes. However, um, the question will be put to Jeffrey, how close are we to war with Iran? The um, the warning that was issued uh, on Sunday by uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, I'm not buying it. He basically is telling us we're six to seven months away from looking at an Iran that has the bomb. I don't buy it, and I'll tell you why I don't buy it. Because the IAEA inspectors have been in there repeatedly. Iran is vigorously inspected. They have signed the non-proliferation treaty. Iran has. The um, They are allowed to pursue... I mean, one of the ideas behind, one of the missions behind this non-proliferation treaty is to encourage the peaceful use of of nuclear technology, meaning nuclear energy. And so under that treaty, Iran is allowed to pursue 
a nuclear energy program. Um, and so they have the inspectors coming in. The inspectors have said they have no nuclear uh, weapons program. So if you don't believe that, well, what has U.S. intelligence said? In 2007, they said Iran has no nuclear weapons program. And I'm told that that is still the the mindset within the U.S. intelligence uh, groups. And then yet we have, on a number of occasions, President Barack Obama saying Iran has nuclear uh, uh, weapons capability or they're close. Now we have uh, the Israeli prime minister. Uh, are we going to fall for this again, folks? Is this not a repeat of a few years ago when we were told repeatedly Iraq had weapons of mass destruction? Come on. Not a second time. We're talking about 100 million souls in Iran. We really um, got to, We have to wake up. Anyway, uh, Richard is in Hamilton and has a, uh, a supernatural story. Richard, go ahead. You're on the air. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Richard, for taking my call again. Um, a friend of mine, uh, she lives a couple uh, blocks away from me, and uh, she has uh, two spirits living in her house, which are quite friendly. In fact, the, the one a uh, couple of times she's fallen down the stairs and the... Fallen the, or pushed? Pardon? Fallen or pushed? Uh, fallen. And the, and the spirit put her in the recovery position. What does that mean? Uh, well, uh, putting the uh, body, um, um, when an injury occurs, uh, to, pre- uh, to prevent vomiting, they, you put the body on ah, the side. Really? Yeah. And she... How uh, does she know that it was, I mean, was she unconscious and then woke up in the recovery position or... Uh, her daughter found her that way. My word! And uh, and they've actually seen uh, uh, seen the ghost. And what does the ghost look like? Um, well, um, uh, the uh, the spirit was dressed in a World War One uniform, uh, army uniform, and uh, but it's never been harmful. It's been uh, very protective of the family. And then her daughter uh, one night. Uh, like I'm a merchant seaman, and uh, her daughter went uh, uh, said to my uh, to her mother, uh, "You you got to phone Richard, tell him that he's in danger." And and her mother said, "Well, I can't. He's on board a ship, and uh, uh, it'll look uh, crazy if nothing happened." And sure enough, I was on the dock, and I suffered a very uh, got into a very serious situation, which almost cost me my life. And when I was talking to her, uh, when I come home on leave, uh, she said, uh, Richard, uh, you had a bad accident, didn't you? And I said, yes, how did you know? And she told me about it. Wow. Uh, that's what else can daughter. I say but wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll stop you in your tracks. I mean, uh, so how long ago was that, Richard? Well, this was... Uh, well, my accident occurred back in '95. Okay. And so, the uh, the, uh, the the house is very uh, her house was uh, built in 1895. And how they know that there was a coin put in the wall, and if the workmen figured it was a special house, they would do that. And uh, so, the people that lived in there must have loved the house that much that. Uh, they stayed on after they passed away. Richard, listen, I really appreciate you uh, calling in and sharing that story. Thank you for that. Thank you for all your stories. Wish we had time for more. We will make time for more. We'll do this more often. I kind of threw that at you last minute. Spine-dingling tales. So, uh, and we had some phone problems, so we didn't get some of you on. 
as I'd intended. Anyway, Jeffrey Steinberg standing by from Executive Intelligence Review to talk about the impending war with Iran. You don't want to miss that. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Wars and rumors of wars. The saber-rattling is starting to ramp up. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned that Iran is a mere six to seven months away from developing the capability of producing nuclear weapons. Which is interesting because in 2011, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Association, uh, filed a report in which they stated is, uh, Iran does not have a nuclear weapons program. Well, we need to make sense of all this, obviously, and so to help us do so, we've enlisted the help of a good friend of the program. He is the Director of Counterintelligence with Executive Intelligence Review, Jeffrey Steinberg. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. How are you? Very well. Before we get to that, explain to people a little bit about EIR. What is Executive Intelligence Review? Uh, EIR is a weekly publication that has been publishing 50 times a year since 1974. It was founded by Lyndon LaRouche, who many of you may know was a candidate for the Democratic Party nomination for president many times up through 2004. And uh, LaRouche is campaigning aggressively now for a revival of the policies of the former President Franklin Roosevelt, and uh, is also pressing for the removal of President Obama from office because he represents the opposite current within our national politics here in the United States and within the Democratic Party. How can people get a, a, a subscription to EIR? Uh, if they go online and go to www.larouchepub.com, that's L-A-R-O-U-C-H-E-P-U-B, as in publication, .com, uh, you will find on the homepage there all of the information that you need to subscribe, and I would strongly urge people to do it. As I say, the publication is weekly. Uh, it's published every Tuesday or Wednesday and uh, you will get a uh, ID and password, which gives you access to everything on the website. We're now in the process, by the way, of posting electronically for research purposes every single issue dating back to April of 1974 when we first began publication. All right, Jeffrey, what did you make uh, of today's an, uh, announcement or warning by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Do you buy it? Does, does Iran have nuclear capabilities? Nuclear weapons well, capabilities? you know, uh, the, the National Intelligence Council, which is the uh, U.S. intelligence community's highest analytical body, it represents the top analysts of 16 distinct and separate U.S. intelligence agencies, did an in-depth study in 2007 and updated it again in 2010, and their conclusion was that from the time of the overthrow of Saddam Hussein in 2003, Iran has halted its work on weaponization. Uh, that means they're not attempting to do any further work on constructing a bomb. Clearly, they're enriching uranium. 
They say it's exclusively for peaceful purposes, a nuclear power plant. They have a, um, an isotope reactor for medical purposes. Uh, so right now, they're not working on building a bomb, and even the Israelis acknowledge that. So the question is, were the Iranians to decide at some hypothetical future point to uh, work towards building a nuclear weapon, uh, it would take them minimally a year, probably two years, to do it. And furthermore, the United States and other allied countries would know uh, from the very outset that they were in a sort of a race to build a bomb, and there would be more than sufficient time to take whatever steps were necessary then at some hypothetical future moment to stop it from happening. So right now there is no threat of Iran having a nuclear weapon. Netanyahu's statements on U.S. national television today, he was all over the place. He was on Meet the Press, he was on CNN, um, were really an attempt to put political pressure on the U.S. government to commit to a firm uh, set of conditions, a so-called red line, when the United States would go to war. And uh, under no circumstances should the United States do that. Um, Ob- uh, Obama, unfortunately, in his own right, uh, is prepared to launch that kind of war, but he's facing stern opposition from the top ranks of the U.S. military and the U.S. intelligence community who know that any kind of even limited attack on Iran would likely lead to a broader regional war that would almost automatically escalate into a global confrontation. But isn't that the idea? Isn't that what the globalists want? Well, you know, there's a faction of the globalists who have the attitude. This is a high-ranking element within the British Empire system who basically say, um, if we can't maintain power and we can't dictate policy, uh, then uh, let humanity go to hell. Okay, just a minute, Jeffrey. We're just going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and pick up on that point. Jeffrey Steinberg, Executive Intelligence Review. Is war with Iran imminent? Back with more in a second. Big Brother is listening, and so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740. We're here with Jeffrey Steinberg, Counterintelligence Director for Executive Intelligence Review, uh, talking about the the beating of the war drums. And it seems like we're ramping up for war with Iran. The question is, why? Are we going to go down this road again? Uh, Weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, they told us. And um, some of us believed them. Some of us, many of us did not, and yet um, we had the war with Iraq, and here we go again. It's it's the, the, the same page out of the same playbook, but see, people seem to be falling for it again. Or are they, Jeffrey? Well, I think that there's a uh, significant difference between then and now. Um, in 2002, 2003, when Bush and Cheney were beating those war drums for war against Iraq, Um, there was opposition. There was disagreement within the U.S. intelligence community. There was disagreement within the U.S. military. Uh, But they basically deferred to others. And as a result, we got the disastrous Iraq War. 
Now we're in a much more dangerous situation because clearly at this point, both Russia and China uh, are committed to the idea that we're not going to have any more colonial imperial wars in uh, the Middle East. China is deeply dependent on the region for uh, energy supplies, oil and gas. Uh, Russia has their only uh, port on the Mediterranean in Syria. Uh, Iran is uh, right on the Russian border, formerly on the Russian border. So they don't, wa- they don't want a war, a big war, right in their neighborhood. And they've made clear that if there's an attempt by the U.S. and Britain and France to do a replay of what happened in uh, Libya in the uh, 2011, where the Russians and Chinese were lied to to convince them to abstain from a U.N. Security Council vote on creating a no-fly zone and humanitarian corridors to protect the people of Benghazi. Um, There was never any real commitment to anything other than overthrowing Gaddafi and killing him. The Russians and Chinese have said, we are never going to sit on the sidelines again. So the Syria situation, the Iran situation, have with them the potential for a general war, a war that could very potentially lead to the exchange of nuclear weapons. That's an extinction event. Iran, at least two years away from having a capability of developing a nuclear weapon, correct? Right. And yet... Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu, insists they're only six to seven months away. The interesting thing, of course, here is that Iran is a signatory to the non, the nuclear non-proliferation treaty. Israel, right. which has nuclear weapons, perhaps a hundred or more, is not a signatory, will not allow IAEA inspectors. Iran is regularly and vigorously inspected by the IAEA. What gives? Well, you know, this is exactly the, uh, situation that the U.S. allowed to be created way, way, way back in 1947, 1948, General George Marshall, who was the hero of World War II and at the time was Secretary of State under Harry Truman, warned that if the U.S. endorsed the creation of the State of Israel, that there would be 50 years of continuous conflict and the U.S role in the region would be marginalized to strictly military capability. Now, Marshall was not only right, but he underestimated how long this conflict would go on. So we've got a situation where the Israelis are playing a very high-risk poker game with the United States. And they're not just dealing with President Obama, who Netanyahu thinks he can push around and especially manipulate and blackmail in the context of a presidential election. But he's dealing with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's dealing with the U.S. intelligence community and people who are, frankly, pretty fed up with uh, the tail wagging the dog, the Israelis and the Zionist lobby continuously attempting to dictate policy to the U.S., in this case, dragging the United States into a war that General Dempsey, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, is convinced will rapidly uh, turn into a general war. Anybody who's a student of history knows that 
uh, on the eve of World War One, you had a whole uh, confluence of things going on in the Balkan region that involved alliances and agreements and secret treaties, so that a relatively insignificant event like the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand proved to be the trigger for what later historians would call World War One. We're in the danger zone of the same thing happening today, and that's what the Israelis are messing with. And the danger is that if you get a limited military action, for example, if the United States gets directly involved militarily in the attempt to overthrow the Assad government in Syria, like what they did in Libya, uh, you're going to get general war. If the Israelis attack Iran and the Iranians retaliate against the U.S. in some fashion, like against our troops in Afghanistan, you've got World War Three on your hands. Clearly, it's not in the best, you call it high-stakes poker. I mean, it's it's insanity. It's it's clearly not in the best interest of Israel. Uh, I mean, I, give me your take on this, but my, my instincts tell me that, that Netanyahu is taking his marching orders from the same globalists that are, that are you know, dictating American foreign policy. That's exactly right. Uh, Lyndon LaRouche refers to this as the British imperial system. Now, people can say, well, the British are a bunch of uh, inconsequential putzes now. They're no, nothing even close to what they were during their former times of the height of the British East India Company and the British Empire. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, we saw it with Tony Blair and George Bush with the Iraq War, and we're seeing similar things today. President Obama has a uh, degree of uh, loyalty to defending the system of the British Empire. He might, he might not even understand it as such, but the global financial system the relationships among the world powers is part of an imperial structure that's been in place for a very long time. We've got to overturn that whole system. So you're right. Israel under Netanyahu is a pawn of the same exact system that Obama is a pawn to, and that's why we're in a grave danger of a rerun of the events that led to World War One. except this time uh, we have nuclear weapons. And if there is a general war, they will be used, and we may very well be facing extinction. That's the frightening, frightening reality of the situation that we're in. With Obama in the White House, in effect, this imperial system has their finger on the U.S. nuclear trigger. Well, that's not going to improve uh, if, if Romney's elected. I mean, it's it's the two-headed monster. There's there's no substantive difference between the two on foreign policy, is there? No, not at all. That's why uh, Mr. LaRouche has been saying you've got to really overturn the apple cart altogether. Obama has committed impeachable crimes. Uh, the Libya war itself was a flagrant violation of the U.S. Constitution. Only the Congress under our Constitution, as the authority to uh, bring the country to war, unless we've been directly attacked. The reason for that is that the Founding Fathers, in their wisdom, understood that you don't want to create something that could eventually be a replay of a British monarchy, where an absolute dictator, the king or the queen, can make these decisions alone. The... Uh, 
founders said that only Congress can have the authority to declare war. Once war is declared, the president is the commander-in-chief, because you need one. But only Congress has the authority to declare war. And in the case of Libya, Obama flaunted the fact that he would not and did not go to Congress. He went to war, and he had all kinds of lame excuses. Well, NATO wants to do it. The U.N. Security Council wants to do it. We're only leading from behind. All of that was complete BS. The reality is that the president brought the United States to war unconstitutionally by never going to Congress. And as a result of that, he should be impeached. If you get Obama out of there, that shakes up the election process in the United States and gets us out of the dilemma of choosing between two unacceptable options an Obama option, which could very well mean thermonuclear extinction, and a Romney option, which is a great big gigantic question mark. And as you say, there's no reason to believe that there'd be a radical change in policy away from this drive for global war if Romney were elected president. All right. Well, that's a pretty gloomy scenario. But, uh, Jeffrey, thanks nonetheless for giving this heads up. And, uh, again, we appreciate your time. Executive Intelligence Review. Uh, you can subscribe online at www.larouchepub.com. Thanks, Jeffrey. My pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Back next week with uh, Greg Pallast, how the U.S. elections have already been stolen, plus British filmmaker Richard D. Hall on the animal mutilation controversy. That's it for me. So long to David Gaskin, who's off the, to uh, Kathmandu. Welcome aboard to Tim Spreen. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>